five-fold sermon series, uh, just to recap uh, where we've been and the purpose of the series. Uh, where we've been is um, first John, two weeks ago, John Jordan gave a great overview of what the five-fold ministry is and why the five-fold and how it works together. The five-fold ministry being that of us as gifts, one to another, as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. None are of more importance than the other. They are all to uh, function properly together in mutual submission and humility and preference one to another in the humility of Christ in order to bring the fullness and most greatly represent who Jesus is to the world around us. Because the call of God, the commission of God, is to reach every neighborhood, every nation, with the name and the love of Jesus. And the code, or the design of Christ to do that, is found in Ephesians 4. It is that we understand who we are in the body of Christ, and how to function as such, not in isolation, but in community how to do that properly together that we would build ourselves up in love and manifest the love of Jesus, reflect the person of Jesus most accurately to a world that is lost and needs to be found in him and by him. Amen? Amen. So God wants us to walk in our highest privilege as sons and daughters, our highest calling as those who love him and love our neighbor with the love with which he's first loved us. And lastly, in our five-fold function to operate in ministry, if one, if the sonship peace and if the sonship peace is fullness, then the function piece, the five-fold, are you a pastor, are you an evangelist, are you a prophet, etc., that is the fulfillment. We want to fulfill God's great commission through who he's made us to be and working together as gifts one to another. Last week, Joel said we're an apostolic church. An apostolic means sent on a mission. And so we are called to our neighborhoods, to the nations, to make, you know, the Bible says to make disciples of all nations. And so um, that is our call. And this is how we do it. It's the design of Christ. And so today I'm sharing with you on prophets in Christ's church. And so Joel mentioned last week that we don't use the language apostles and prophets for people, much less titles in our culture here at the Gospel Tab because of the abuses and baggage in church history surrounding those titles and how people have used those titles to gain power and build their own kingdoms rather than um, serving the body of Christ. And so we prefer titles, or we prefer names rather, like apostolic leaders or prophetic leaders. Uh, however, I will use uh, the word prophet today, because the Bible uses that word, so we have permission to, <laughs> in describing the prophetic calling or the prophetic leader that God gave some to the church as prophets. And so last week we looked at apostles, today we're going to look at prophets. If you'll stand with me in honor of God's word, and on the screen behind me is Acts chapter 15, verses 22 and 32 through 33. It's also on the side if you're facing one direction more than another. And uh, if you want to turn to that in your devices. 
Um, Let's read this passage out loud together now. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who sent them. Amen. You can be seated. Okay, and so this, the context for this passage is the church at Antioch. And the apostles, who are named as apostles explicitly elsewhere, Barnabas and Paul, had gone to Antioch and established this church. Now, if you remembered from last week, Joel talked about how apostles are sent on a mission, and what they're sent to do is to bring um, the culture of the kingdom of God to a place. That in proclamation and in signs and wonders that followed them, so that the place, a pagan people, would then come to believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so now we have a group of believers who have come to Christ through this apostolic ministry of Paul and Barnabas. And so pay attention to the order here, because then Judas and Silas, who are named prophets in this passage, come, and they give words of strengthening and encouraging. And Paul says elsewhere, that first apostles, second prophets, and third teachers. And when he names that order, he is not referring to value. I want to repeat that. (laughs) When he names that order, he is not referring to value. He's referring to the application found in this passage. And the application of this passage is order of function. So it's the order, not the value of the respective ministries. It's the order of the ministries. We see in Scripture that God, part of God's design is order of these functions. I think that's worth mentioning as we unpack where does the prophet fit. So we've, we've agreed, right, that the, that the fivefold must come together to bring alignment to the body of Christ. But where does each fit in the body? And so we see that the prophet comes second and brings strengthening and encouragement. And if you can go to the next slide we get another picture, uh, an insight into where the prophet fits in all of this, in how this all works. Uh, When Paul says, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So we get the order, right? The apostles come in, they bring the kingdom of heaven to a group of people, they proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, people get saved. The prophets come in and they give a fresh word and purpose of God for the people to strengthen and encourage them. And Paul describes that ministry here as a kind of foundation. That the apostles and prophets lay a foundation on which evangelists, pastors, and teachers build. And in coming weeks, we're going to talk about those three ministries as well. And so they're laying a foundation. The apostolic ministry, if it's laying a foundation of heaven's culture... Remember Jesus taught us the apostolic prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
if, if they're laying the foundation, the apostolic ministry of heaven's culture, then the prophetic ministry is laying the part of the foundation that is God's voice. We need to know what is God saying now and what is his purpose. And so this is the foundation. And you notice that it says that Jesus is the chief cornerstone of this foundation. So to determine is the foundation level, is the foundation deep enough? Jesus is the plumb line. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the standard, not the apostles and prophets. <laughs> Jesus is the standard against which we judge. Is this deep foundation deep enough and is it level? And how do we judge it except against the word of God? You see, the Bi we, we say here at the tab that we love the Bible because Jesus is the word of God. <laughs> and so when we look at, we judge, how are things going here in our local expression of the body of Christ, the gospel tabernacle? We judge that against Jesus using the scriptures. We say, how are we doing? Our leadership team are the spiritual leaders of this church. Our responsibility is to discern how are we doing per what the scriptures tell us we should be becoming and what we should be doing. Based on what God's saying, are we obeying him when he speaks as a church? And so the foundation, heaven's culture, God's voice, Jesus, the standard against which we judge that. Well, so what is the prophetic ministry? Here I'm saying it's God's voice. You see them strengthening and encouraging the church in this ministry. We don't know what exactly they said to them in that time. Um, but I thought it would be good as we unpack the prophet or the call of a prophet um, by starting with a working definition of prophecy. Because a large part of the prophetic ministry is prophecy itself, as you may know. And so if you look on the screen, prophecy is revelation spontaneously given by the Holy Spirit and delivered in human words. And next, the purpose of prophecy is to strengthen, encourage, and comfort the church. Okay, now actually, the Greek word John said this two weeks ago, the, the word for prophecy or prophet is primarily to forth tell, not to foretell. A lot of people think it's primarily to tell the future, right? God gives us a message for the future. Um, it's not necessarily that. In fact, primarily it's to forth tell, to tell a message of God forth. And so to tell the promises of God. And in a few minutes, I'll be talking about why Jesus is the greater prophet, why Jesus is the prophet. And that's because his promises are yes. Everything Jesus has said, everything he has said has come to pass, is coming to pass, or will come to pass. And so Jesus is the ultimate prophet. He's the best of all five of these gifts. He's the chief of all five of these gifts. And, um, and so when Jesus tells forth his promises, whether they're futuristic or he's telling them forth to create them, um, there is power in his word. And so when God gives us a gift of prophecy, it doesn't necessarily mean a person's a prophet. However, when we agree with that revelation and we speak forth that word that he spoke, we are co-building with God. We are co-laying a foundation. We are actually creating with God. It's by his power of his word. 
Why? Because the power of, he has, his word has the power to perform itself. Okay? So when we talk about the prophetic ministry and we talk about prophecy and what's actually happening in the spirit realm is we as children of God can hear from God, right? We are his sheep, we know his voice, and we follow him. Our spirits testify with the Holy Spirit that we're children of God. And so we can hear God as the children of God. It doesn't mean that everybody's a prophet, but it does mean that everybody can hear God. And when God gives us a gift of prophecy, John made the distinction between getting a gift of prophecy and being a prophet two weeks ago. Well, when someone gets the gift to speak a word of prophecy, you're co-building with God, and that's a gift of prophecy, okay? And so, also, the Bible says not just that we all can hear God in relationship with God, but that we see in part and we prophesy in part. And so, this too doesn't make a distinction between prophets and the gift of prophecy, that we see in part and we prophesy in part. This is true of prophets, and this is true of those who aren't prophets. It's true that those who are prophets may have the, probably have the gift of prophecy, and those who don't may have a gift of prophecy. So what makes a prophet a prophet today? If we all see in part, we can all see in part and prophesy in part. If we all hear the voice of God and know his voice and follow him as the children of God, what is the distinction between a prophet and the other four? And we're going to get into that, but the, I just want to make one more note on this, that there is a difference But as we get into how do you know if you're a prophet today in the fivefold ministry? What, what are the marks of a prophet today? I just want to quickly um, make a distinction between the Old Testament prophet and the New Testament prophet. Guys, I feel like I'm like flying through this because we're like, <laughs> there's so much that I could say right now on, I'm like, okay, don't train on prophecy. Don't, um, so uh, bear with me as I work through this. I want to stay on the function, the why of the prophet, but I, it's important that we make a distinction between Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets. So um, an Old Testament prophet, was the mouthpiece of God to the people of God. He would receive, or she, Deborah was a prophet, um, Hosea is a prophet, there are many examples of prophets, right, in the Old Testament. They would get the word of the Lord, and they would speak the word of the Lord verbatim. And this was the design in God's sovereignty of how he would speak to his people in that era. Okay? Jesus comes... He dies for us. He resurrects. And those who put their faith in Jesus Christ now can hear the voice of God. And there's the gifts are released, the gifts of prophecy among other gifts. And we can hear God and we can prophesy and we prophesy in part. Okay, so the prophets uh, under the new covenant, unlike those of the Old Testament, are not the, mouth, the only mouthpiece of God, right? We are not, pro prophets are not, um, the only ones who hear God, as I've already said. And so, um, but they still have this distinct calling. And so I want to unpack what that is today. So some of these, these tensions are important to understand. Um, and so um, I want to speak to some markings of a prophetic calling. What makes a prophet or how do we know that someone's a prophet. Well, John mentioned in week one, one sign that you could be a prophet, uh, 
versus one of the other four giftings is that more than anything, you want to know the word and purpose of God. And you write this down and you internalize this and you pray over it and you watch over that word until it comes to pass. Um, you guard it. Oftentimes prophets will embody. Um, so now I'm talking about prophets today. Oftentimes uh, prophets will embody a message of God. So I remember being uh, in the back of this room uh, over here when it was the back um, at uh, upper room or <laughs> upper room or uh, once a month prayer gathering. Uh, this was before COVID and um, the spirit of the Lord came upon me and I chose to cooperate with that. You don't have to do that. Um, you can resist that, but um, I chose to cooperate with that and felt uh, like the Lord wanted me to dance like foolishly. And some of you think you dance foolishly every week, but um, so, but I mean, so if you can imagine if I'm defining it this way, <laughs> so, but some of you were there and probably remember this. It was, it was, it was different. <laughs> and, and some of you have said to me since then, there was a breakthrough in the life of the tab in joy and freedom in worship after that. Now that's, I didn't know that that would be the case. I didn't do that for the sake of being noticed. You know what I mean? It was just, it's an example of embodying a message of the Lord that he wanted to bring breakthrough, just in the spirit of like when David was more undignified than this because he was so um, worshipful and thankful of the Lord. And so that can be a thing. Um, another marker of God, of how God speaks to a prophet is that oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes it'll be that the way that they hear God, quote unquote, is to see. And so dreams and visions, and also um, in their mind's eye, they'll frequently see, whether it's scripture verses. Um, now that doesn't mean that someone's a prophet. That could be a gift of prophecy that someone's operating in. Um, but it's often the way that they hear God. Okay. Um, dreams are particularly a big part of this. I, I heard a prophet once say, we sleep for a living. And so, um, that's not true. Um, on that note, there's a watchman quality to this gift, uh, to the church, uh, a prophet that by that, the watchman quality, I mean to guard and protect, uh, regarding what God's showing you. So if you have dreams frequently, that are spiritual dreams from God, um, then there's purpose to those dreams. He's not just giving you dreams. So he's like, look, I've given you gifts. It's like, no, there's reasons for that. And what he's speaking to you is often to intercede and not to tell anyone about it and to just pray, knowing that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. And we're declaring and decreeing and we're prophesying in prayer. And nobody knows that this over this dream that you had, protection and freedom and deliverance over this, over this situation. So an example of that uh, from a few years ago is I had a dream that somebody had the same wound in the same place as their child. And as I prayed into that, I, f I believed that the Lord was, was giving me discernment to prophesy over them that in this season, he was going to end generational sins in their family line, that he was going to break off patterns and curses that have hurt their family and that that ends in this season. And so I had the opportunity to speak that in Jesus' name over them. 
So like all callings, God will tell you in various ways who he says you are. And I thought it would be good um, for some of our time together for me to share some of my story as a prophetic leader. Um, And there's two reasons for that. One is because um, in the story, you will hear that uh, ways that God speaks to people generally regarding their calling, regardless of who you're called to be. Two is you'll hear um, in particular, distinctive uh, marks of a prophetic calling. And we're talking about prophets today. And so, um, and so in 2014, I was, the gift of prophecy was becoming more pronounced in my life. And so I asked someone to mentor me. And I didn't know I was uh, called to be a prophetic leader yet. I just, this gift was um, happening more and more. And so I just asked someone to mentor me. And at that time in 2014, I began to see the numbers, the number two everywhere. Two, 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 you know, and I didn't know what it meant. And I asked her, uh, her name is Jackie. I asked her, Jackie, what do you, you know, do you think this is anything? And right away, she's like, oh, that's Isaiah 22, 22. And she said, the Lord is growing you in kingdom authority. Whatever you open won't be shut. Whatever door you shut won't be open. And I'm like, okay. You know, I didn't know if that was right. I trusted her to mentor me. I didn't, I didn't know if her interpretation was right. And about a week later, Julie, my wife, um, uh, showed me this Facebook post of friends who had a baby and they named him Isaiah and he was born at 2:22 AM. And I knew that the Lord was saying, I'm growing you in kingdom authority as a steward in my kingdom. And I still didn't know that I was a prophet though. Jackie would tell me, um, you're probably a prophetic leader, but don't find your significance in it. Find your significance in the fact that the Father loves you. And if I'm going to emphasize anything as I talk about this calling, it's going to be that from here on in this sermon. (laughs) It's that God wants, God is super interested in your character formation, not just your function. He's super interested in your character formation, not just your gifts. Um, He cares about all of it, but it's just that your character grows up alongside of your gifts is really important, right? And our character formation has to do with becoming more like Jesus and knowing in our hearts, not just our heads, through encounter with Christ's manifest presence, that the Father loves me as the Father loves Jesus. That that is the context for our function. We're supposed to function from that place. We're supposed to function from the place of the Father's love for me, right? Now I can love you and others with the love of God. You don't need my love, brothers and sisters. You need the love of God. You don't need a fresh word from me. You need a fresh word from God. You need the word of God, whether it's directly to you, whether it's through a prophetic leader, whether it's through a pastoral leader, you need a word from God because it's God's words of affirmation, his love for you, your significance, your acceptance that is so vital as context for you to walk in the fullness of your five-fold function as a pastor, a prophet, etc., whatever you are. And so I want to major on that as well. Um, oh, and so I still didn't know if I was a prophetic leader, as I said. And um, about a year later, though, uh, I thought that the Lord was saying to me, and I've never said this to anybody, nobody <laughs> until right now, <laughs> that I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. And I just tucked that away. And not long after that, 
I was at a prayer conference and Galfua prayed over me. I've shared this with some of you in different contexts, but Galfua prayed over me. I just, she said, I just sense that God's saying that you're a prophet. And then soon after, Joel told me, Steve, you're a prophet in my life. And I was like, okay, I should learn more about not just the prophetic gifting, but the call um, of a prophet today, you know, um, not an Old Testament prophet, right? But a New Testament or a New Covenant prophet. Uh, I had a dream and Joel gave me a sticker um, uh, and it was an eagle with all caps, the word eagle on it. And um, in that dream, um, I was supposed to name people according to who God saw them to be rather than what their birth names were. And so, and I'll tell you, a mark of a prophet today is that prophets love the church and they want the church to walk in the fullness of their identity and they want the church to see themselves and one another in the spirit and not according to the flesh. So I, you know, we want, we burn for you to see yourselves as God sees you, for you to see each other and for me to see you and you to see me as God sees us. <laughs> and so that identity piece is huge. And so that dream was, and also the eagle, you may know, represents the prophetic calling. It, it wasn't a lion. It wasn't an ox. It was an eagle. And the eagle represents the seeing gift, the call of a prophet. Often God knew that I knew that. And he communicates to us in ways we understand because it's a relationship, right? And so um, twos don't always mean Isaiah twenty two twenty two. Eagles don't always mean pro prophetic calling, but this was my story. It was, this was rooted in a story of my life where community was also speaking to me. And I think it's super important that as we explore, who am I called to be of these five, in this five-fold function, in addition to a son or a daughter, that you'll always hear from your community, too. Do you remember, you heard me mention Joel and Galfua, that the Lord, the mentor, um, to me as well, um, that the Lord will speak to you in community about your calling. I had a dream just this past year that a prophet, a, a prominent prophet, um, nationally known guy was driving my car. And I was, um, he took me to a campground. I went to a campground, the campsite, Joel blessed me there. And I came back to the car and he gave me the keys and then I drove the car. And it was, a, it was a twofold kind of thing. It was reminding me that I'm a prophetic leader. And it was also, though, reminding, or it was also one of the ways that the Lord spoke to me and the leadership team about my assignment here to lead the tab in this next season, which is interesting because Joel's an apostle and I'm a prophet. First apostles, second prophets. I don't know. I just think that's interesting. So, so I'm a prophet. So what? Now what? So what? Now what? What does God want me to do with that, right? I just said the important thing is that we, the most important thing is that we know our significance comes from the Father's love, not our fivefold function. We do not get our identity in this. And so, if you could put the next slide up. These are some markers that we've got our identity in Christ um, mixed up is the ministry with which he's entrusted me an idol to me? Am I worshiping the prophetic ministry? Am I finding a false identity in the function rather than my sonship? 
which I already spoke to? Am I doing what he's called me to do to try to earn his approval that he's already given me through Jesus' finished work at the cross? So these are important markers is where am I at in my understanding, in my mindset regarding this? Um, Because if I'm in any or all three of these, then I need a renewed mind. I need Jesus to transform a way of thinking in me. And I remember a few weeks ago I shared the word repentance actually means to change the way you think. But it's his kindness that leads to repentance. So what I'm not talking about is learning more information. I'm talking about him encountering us to transform us from the inside out so that my minute I don't have idols and that I worship Jesus and serve him only so that my identity is a son because the father loves me as he loves Jesus so that I already know I'm approved and I'm not doing this to earn favor with God but to cooperate with him in who he says I am and how I'm supposed to function with you all to reach neighborhoods and nations to the glory of his name and in his love for people. And so with that, I just want to encourage us, there is always a preparation place between calling and commissioning. Do you remember the first year I mentioned, I said in 2014, it was almost 10 years ago, there's a time when God reveals these things to us. It doesn't mean we're to be walking, walking in the fullness of them yet. So there's no pressure to walk in the fullness of them yet. And furthermore, we don't want to prematurely be promoted into a kind of commissioning because it will crush us in terms of responsibility and in terms of blessing. Like our care, if our character can't carry the blessing, that's a problem, Right? And it will hurt us in the relationships, those under us, and so forth. And so we do not want to try to self-promote in the, in, in the name of some of these dysfunctional views. <laughs> we do not want to be promoted by others prematurely because we might have a high gifting. Because God wants to form in us character, competency, and calling in a preparation place, right, between calling and commissioning. And so God will raise you up. And I heard someone say, when God raises you up, he'll sustain you. But if you try to raise yourself up, or if others raise you up just because you have a high gifting, but you're not ready in your character, then you have to sustain that. And it's not going to work. It's not going to last. Why? Because we're not saved by works, and we are not made more like Jesus by works thereafter. We are made by Jesus. We are made like Jesus thereafter by the same power of the gospel that saved you and me. That we celebrate and remember at this table every other week together, right? And so we've got to continue to enter into that process that theologians call sanctification, <laughs> whereby we are continually made more like Jesus as he transforms us through the inside out by the power of the gospel and in our relationship with him as we yield to him and what he wants to do in us. And so um, as I wrap up here soon, um, I just wanted to say too, regarding um, these fivefold functions, whether you're a prophet, apostle, pastor, evangelist, or teacher, that there's a practitioner component to this where you actually do the ministry that you're called to, to do. 
or to function in. But then there's also an equipping aspect to this, where you're called to train and activate and impart to others. And so um, we're called in prophetic ministry, as prophetic leaders, we're called to pray and worship and prophesy. So one of the primary ways that most prophetic leaders encounter Christ's manifest presence is through worship and prayer. Okay? One of, I would say that the pastor, the fivefold pastor, a mark of a fivefold pastor, is that they primarily encounter Christ's manifest presence in relationship with the body of Christ. That evangelists primarily through relationship with the lost. And so there's this element of we're all called to do the work of our function as practitioners. And so for prophets, it's to worship, pray, and prophesy. <laughs> and, but we're also called to create spaces that facilitate this experience um, for others. And so one of the callings on my life is not just to prophesy and equip in prophecy, but to also create environments of worship and prayer in which we practice God's presence and we learn and grow in this. And so, um, and right now I'm just giving examples of like where this is going for us in terms of like calling and when Jesus starts to give you ministry in these functions, what it can look like. And so, um, like right now I'm doing a prophetic huddle and the prophetic huddle is where I see the gifts, the revelatory gifts popping in a critical mass of people. I'll gather them to cultivate those gifts, but also to talk about the foundation of intimacy and identity, to talk about healthy prophetic culture, right? Not just like rooted in the nature of who God is, not just how to prophesy or how to do a function. Um, and so um, also in terms of facilitating worship and prayer spaces, um, I know that God has called me to develop houses of prayer, places for people to worship and encounter Jesus in worship and prayer and to multiply leaders, to grow prayer rooms, to multiply houses of prayer in the region. So that's just a picture of the prophetic ministry and how that looks practically by way of, uh, you know, a practitioner standpoint as well as an equipping standpoint. John, can you come and play? Thanks. I talked about multiplying houses of prayer. But the house of prayer, Jesus said, is his house of prayer. He is building his church. And he, as I said, is the chief and best of all five of these gifts. And Jesus is the prophet. I mentioned that earlier. Jesus is the prophet. He was the best practitioner as a prophet. Do you remember when he told uh, Cephas, he said, Cephas, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. See, he didn't see him as Cephas. He saw him as Peter. He saw him in the spirit. And he prophesied his name over him. And, and Peter wasn't Peter for a long time. He called him, he also went by Simon. Uh, he called him, Jesus called him Simon years later still. <laughs> and so there's a journey in the fulfillment of these words, but Jesus prophesied the best as a practitioner. Jesus prophesied to the woman at the well who had been exploited, who had been hurt, who didn't know who she was, 
and he spoke to her um, a word of everything she ever knew about herself. And it didn't condemn her and it didn't shame her, but it was rooted in his security as a loved son. And he gave to her what he had and she came into the kingdom as a loved daughter. Jesus embodied the message of God. Jesus hung on a cross and embodied the word of God. Jesus, number one, is the word of God, right? But he embodied this picture that for generations and generations, the people of God under the old ordinance, the old covenant, would slay a lamb without defect for the offering of sins, for the forgiveness of the people. And Jesus would be the one who hung on that cross and died once and for all, putting an end to that ordinance, fulfilling the law, right? He embodied the message of God, the most important message of God, the cross of Jesus Christ, right? Christ and Christ crucified. Remember what Joel said last week? Paul said, I don't lay any other foundation but Jesus. And so Jesus embodied the message as a prophet. Furthermore, Jesus didn't fulfill the law only. He fulfilled the prophets. Every prophet in the Old Testament who spoke the word of God verbatim as a message of God to God's people spoke about Jesus. <laughs> so not only is Jesus the prophet, he is the one who fulfilled the prophets. He is the message that every prophet before him spoke. <laughs> Isaiah called him the branch of Jesse. And how about his significance? Did it come from being the prophet? No, it came from his father saying, you are my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. It came in relationship with his father. Jesus is still equipping people through his prophets by his spirit. He is still the prophet. And so in closing, I just want to encourage us that as we learn to walk through God's gospel transformation in our kingdom calling as sons and daughters, our highest privilege to be loved by the Father and the Son, just as the Father loves Jesus. As we walk in our highest calling to be ministers to the Lord, to love God and people with the love with which he first loved us, would we learn our fivefold function in order to come together as a body and build ourselves up in love and reach our neighborhoods and our nations. Amen? Amen.